From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, taking umbrage with criticizing the offense. Corey Clark having none of it. First half disappointment, surprises, and practice observations. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com, the website, 2475 Appalachian Parkway, physical address. Check them out. We'll be there Friday. The Royal We. For the happy hour, 5 to 6 o'clock meet and greet. Jeff Cameron, Corey Clark, the the headliner. I don't want to say headliners because that's like, you know, the other podcast. And the, the third guy doesn't show up sometimes to these corner pocket affairs. But come on out. Corey and Jeff will be there. Tom most likely as well. Always a great time. Live music, 8 o'clock Friday night, Corey? Uh, yeah, thereabouts. 8 o'clock okay. is usually when they set up. But we're going to, if any of y'all have come out to the first couple, uh, we're going to make a little, uh, that we've had there, we're going to do a little bit of an alteration where uh, we're more approachable, I guess. I, I still mm. haven't figured it out, but uh, we might have some giveaways too. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, Aslan, what about like a, a score prediction? People fill out an index card, put it in a bowl, and whoever gets closest to the score prediction either gets some more chance swag or gets uh, probably more likely a gift card to Corner Pocket. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. I was thinking, yeah, you guys you guys kind of float around, though. So would it be better if you guys just kind of st- just, you know, held court at a table? That way people could come up and find you because it's like, I'll probably, show up. Probably, but then I, then I feel like it's almost like an autograph line. Like, okay, now you've had your one your 30 seconds moves because uh, there's somebody behind you. Yeah. Not that we're, you know, we're not David Beckham. <laughs> um, I'm watching Close. the Beckham documentary on Netflix, Close. so it's not going to be it's not going to be a circus in there. Like, get out of the way. Who next? Yeah. I want to talk to him, but yeah, I feel like we should be more approachable. But I don't. We haven't quite figured out how to do that, but we will. We will. We're gonna. We're still working on it. We still got some games left. Awesome. Thumbs up. Subscribe. Warchant.com. Ultimate Seminole Sports Source. Lots going on over there. Jeff Cameron Show. Obviously, throughout the days. Of the week, we got the War Chant Report powered by Cummins up there as well. Coach speak drops later this week. Uh, matchup analysis as well. Matt Lassere with a very deep dive. Lake Bacall levels of depth diving into the Syracuse matchup. We'll dive into all your questions here on the Renegade Express. You missed a good practice on Wednesday, Corey. Not going to lie, these, you know, it's, we're thankful and grateful for the job that we're able to have and for the access that we are given, but... You know, sometimes these practices are just kind of, you know, practice. It's just practice. So, uh, got a little chippy there. Some some skirmishes at times. Okay. Um, you know, cooler heads prevailed. Coach Norvell talked about it afterwards. You know, you have to keep your cool. Anybody can talk and, and pretend they're tough, but being tough sometimes is doing the right thing and knowing how to control your emotions. So, I think they displayed that on the whole. Uh, the interesting thing, though, was uh, Keon Coleman was in an orange jersey. In an mm. orange jersey. Can you believe it? We usually don't like calling people out when they're wearing hey, them. Hey, I was going to say, we probably aren't allowed to do that. Well, no, he's, he's videoed in it. I mean, we're really able to film practice. 
He's in oh, orange. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. But hey, then you're right. If he's all, if we're allowed to film a minute, that's fine. Yeah. So uh, I just like to, you know, save because, you know, somebody commented in the thread, like, oh, what did he do? What's going on? And it's like, man, it's, it could, you know, I don't want to say it's minor because it's not my program, but, you know, it's obviously you've done something to deserve this distinction, but it could be anything as innocuous as like b- being late to a, a meeting, you know? It, it's yeah. It's not like you're necessarily talking back to the coach or, Doing yeah, something I don't really think he. Uh, I don't think he hauled off and hit Tony Toe cars or something. Yeah, so That's probably more than an orange uh, jersey. Yeah, so I saw him in the orange. And I'm like telling my friends, like, man, if you guys do that daily fantasy stuff, I would, I would hammer the over on whatever because I bet he's just going to come out really mad this entire week and play really well uh, after having to wear that orange. And then they go out into period three, which as we know is the eleven on eleven. It's tempo. It's sequenced out. It's you know, last drive of the game sort of stakes, if you will. Most of the time they push to try to get a touchdown, but usually they'll set up for a field goal as well. Very first play, 11-on-11, period number three, 30-yard strike between Jordan and Keon in in Mm. good coverage. Keon comes out with the catch, and you're like, yep, this is what this guy does. And then period three kind of unravels. They have a procedure penalty. Uh, Mike is not happy about it, calls a timeout, brings everybody over to the sideline, at least on the offense, kind of lets them know what the deal is. Uh, They trot back out there, and there's a bad snap. He blows the whistle and just points to both sidelines, which usually, like, indicates, give me new guys. So then the second-team offense comes out. Uh, They actually move the ball fairly well. Uh, Tate did a pretty nice job. Then period number four, which we're not allowed to film, early periods, Defense does this drill with Fuller where, like, the the linemen all start on their bellies, like they're laying down prone position on their stomach, on their chest. Corey, you've seen this. And then Fuller, like, yells go. They have to jump up, and then he kind of, you know, scrambles back and forth. They have to chase him, and he throws the ball downfield. He always throws the ball downfield for it to get picked off. Well, he throws the ball downfield. There was nobody there for the ball to get picked off. They just didn't have the right personnel out there. And Fuller yells at Sertan. He's like, who's supposed to be back there? And Sertan tells him which player, and he's like, well, well, how about we get him back there then? So, like, that was the way practice started. And you're like, well, maybe this is why Vegas has it only at 17 and a half. Maybe there's something awry with this program this week. But then in period nine, where they go back to good on good, 11 on 11, man, Jordan was as crisp as ever, uh, as was Tate. I don't think the ball touched the ground at all in period nine. Uh, and it, it wasn't necessarily... Um, like good competitive reps between the, the receivers and the DBs. Like the receivers are just blown by these guys, which some people might be like, oh, no, that means our defense isn't doing well. I just thought the offense really rose to the occasion after a really uh, uneven kind of choppy start to the day. But then when they know they have to turn it on, like the, the back against the wall kind of thing with the, we hear from the defense, Corey. Offense kind of started off that way and then finished off the day strong. I, I thought they did well in one-on-ones as well. And, um, yeah, I, I still think Florida State's going to cover. But it was an interesting day. I think you would have really enjoyed it, Corey. But maybe next week they can replicate some of these scraps and things You wrapped it up for me. It's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. I felt like I was there. All right. Uh, I felt like I was there. But, yeah, it's always good, uh, I think. Um, because, look, man, Garrett Schrader, God love him, isn't Jordan Travis, and he doesn't have the weapons that, that Jordan Travis has. So, um, yeah, maybe Florida State's defense. And Florida State's defense does fine against Florida State's offense. It's not like they get obliterated every game, every practice. It's a lot of back and forth. They win as many days as they lose. They win as many periods as they lose. But they're not going up against the Florida State offense on Saturday. Yeah. And then that goal line drill, the fourth and goal was on the three-yard line. 
Um, that play was an absolute mess, which happens before period nine, so I should have added that before letting you know they, they rebound. But it was an absolute mess of a play, but to Corey's sort of point about Garrett Schrader not having the weapons Jordan Travis has, Jordan pretty much throws the ball up for grabs in an absolute sea of humanity, and the guy in the orange jersey jumps up and snatches it and brings it down for the touchdown. Yeah. So Keon Coleman had a really good day, um, as did Jordan, especially the offense as a whole after those first few sort of uh, messy periods. I don't want to say – I told myself, I'm like, don't say messy. There's there's another word I had in mind for it, but just, you know, it wasn't what we're used to. But then they mm. found it later on in the practice. So that's that, everybody. We don't, we're don't we not at practice today or Friday, but we'll get to watch a football game just like all y'all at noon – Syracuse, 17.5-point underdogs against Florida State. So let's get to the mailbag, Corey. Bourbon is your friend. Corey, it was great seeing you after the game. Uh, it was also pretty funny to see Jared Verse being swarmed by kids like World War Z. He kept calling for Trey to help relieve some of the burden. Meanwhile, Jordan saw that action and decided to sneak out a side door. <laughs> um, let's see here. His daughter will be uh, participating in the Spirit Day where she'll do cheerleading camp in the morning, then perform with cheerleaders during the game on her eighth birthday. So, shout out oh, Lilo. exciting, yeah. Shout out Lilo. Happy birthday. All right, um, I saw the ad on the screen during the game where Norvell asks fans to donate to Battle's End. Does this mean that Battle's End money all goes to football or does some go to basketball or baseball? Does any money from Rising Spear go to football or does it go to basketball or other non-revenue sports? Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Corey. Maybe I should have done some research. Battle's End, to my understanding, is 100% football. Rising Spear has certain players they have sponsored or whatever you want to call it that are on the football team as well, but most of the money that goes to Rising Spear does go to these, you know, the the other sports, if you will. I don't want to I – mean, non-revenue, is that the politically correct term that we use sure. to describe yeah. them? Yeah, Rising Spear, baseball, basketball, uh, you know, women's basketball, volleyball, those are the sports that Rising Spear kind of has carved out their niche. Yeah, by and large, that's the way to look at it. We haven't seen the IRS documents. We don't know who's on the payroll uh, necessarily for all of these. Um, I mean, they announce it usually on Twitter when they've wrapped up another one, Rising yeah. – well, especially Battles In. Uh, but, yes, it certainly appears that Battles In is directed towards football, which it should be because that's the sport that matters by far the most, like like 99% of your revenue, 95 93, somewhere in there, is coming from football. So that's where the vast majority of the money should be directed. And then, yeah, I feel like Rising Spear is kind of – it started out as the football one. Uh, like, they were the ones that – it was before Battles End. They were the ones that were, um, you know, doing what they had to do to procure the 2021 recruiting class. The mm. Yeah. Um, maybe 22. 22 recruiting class. But, uh, you know, I was trying to think of Travis Hunter. Yeah. I was dealing with Travis Hunter. Yeah, yeah. But um, – you're but right, yes, by and large, they've, they've kind of become the arm for all the other sports, it would appear. Yeah. FSU Robert, the fun at Miami's expense has been awesome, but serious question. That debacle occurred in front of 30 to 40 recruits. How does that affect their recruiting? How much NIL money does it take to pay for an idiot? How could you <laughs> – I shouldn't have read it in that sort of tone. I'm sorry, Mario. <laughs> but not really. How could you listen to his post-game presser and want to play for him? All the explaining in the world can never take that treadmark off a player's back. Last thought, radio silence means they either hate him or fear him. That's toxic management either way. Yeah, I don't know if radio silence means like you're talking about on the headset, nobody telling them, hey man, kneel on the ball. 
Yeah. Or radio yeah. silence. Like, no, I don't know if the players have come out and tweeted afterwards, like lay off our coach or something. I haven't, right. I haven't seen a lot of that either, yeah. but I also haven't been paying that close attention. Yeah. Um, look, man, I think that's, I don't necessarily know how much it affects recruiting. It certainly doesn't help to lose to Georgia Tech at home. And then as soon as the kid that's scoring the game winning touchdowns, getting water bottles thrown at him um, <laughs> with one second. I mean, it was just an ultimate debacle. But um, hopefully maybe for them, the recruits left early. Once they got that last first down, they're like, all right, let's go. we got to beat traffic. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's more uh, to do with the team, the, the current players on the roster and how they could ever look at him again. How that how that relationship gets mended, um, because it, it really is. I, I can't. It would be like if I found out that Gene did something so inexplicable to hurt our company <laughs> that I wouldn't be able. Like that he just lost this. I don't know, man. One hundred fifty thousand dollars by betting on uh, by putting his money on something, right. putting it into a bad investment. Yeah. Like I would. I would want out. You know what? I, like literally, right? Like that's I can't not your trust price you tag. Anymore. That's not your price tag, Corey. Hundred fifty. I'm just saying. Us? I was thinking of a, a business, but <laughs> I got you. you any, no, I got you. I got but you. But anybody can put themselves in that avenue with whatever work they do. Like when what somebody could you could lose trust in somebody so much at a pivotal moment that they make such a horrendous decision that you don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And I again, I just I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday at that North Carolina game because I think Miami's a talented team. Yeah. Um, and that should be a very close game. They could, could win that. I think they're only an underdog by two points. Yeah. They absolutely could win that game or they could lose by 30. Like th- this week, I mean, I just I, I can't wait to see how they come out and respond because that was an all time embarrassment. And you just wonder how much fight they're going to have left for that man hmm. uh, after he just completely let them down, uh, you know, six days prior. Well, but I think recruiting wise, look, man. Well, recruiting-wise, the weird thing is there was a guy from Moultrie that Florida State was in on, and that kid committed to Miami on Sunday after that loss. So, well, so here's what I think happened. Whatever their NIL situation is, and I know it's light, it's not probably life wallet anymore. Um, that that was such an embarrassment. They needed some good news. So this is me being cynical, but also living in the world of 2023. Yeah. Let's up our bid. We need some good news, and we need it now. Mm. Whatever we've been offering this kid, um, are floating out there as a number. For him to come play for us, we need to up that and make sure he commits to us right now. Mm. That's that's my that's my cynical heart thinking. Um, yeah, they need some good news. They need some positive news very very quickly. Yeah. I too am curious to see how it works Saturday. I I think they like their coordinators. Like I think they like Gidry on defense. I think they like Shannon also. So maybe they'll cognitive dissonance will be like we're going to play for each other we're going to play for like the guy who's actually calling the plays not mario yeah. so if that's a thing but we'll but see the, man. the Sorry, coordinator's the one that didn't take a knee um well, too know. so yeah. but also i will say this uh what we also have to keep in mind it's not like they uh, get they, they played horribly most of that game on offense right like you know they were at a game with georgia tech that had just lost to bowling green by three scores uh-huh. So, yes, they should have won the game. They did enough to win the game. They overcame some horrible mistakes. But the fact that it was even in it, it was even a game, was a little disconcerting, I assume, for Miami fans. And then the fact that they actually end up losing it, you just wonder if they're going to lose that game twice. Right. After, uh, because of how bad it was. Noel Boyo, too, wake up with our new lights. How would y'all feel about doing something similar to the Atlanta Braves when the team runs out onto the field or at a critical moment in the game? For reference, the lights are turned low. Everyone takes out their cell phones and turns on the flashlights to do the chop. 
Yeah, it's really cool. It's the cool one of the coolest things they do. Well, probably the coolest thing they do at Truist Park when they bring in a uh, when they go to the bullpen. Um, they turn off the lights and everybody gets their flashlights out and you see it going with the chop. Uh, it's really neat. I don't know when you would do that for because you can't turn off the lights in the middle of the game. Like I guess during a TV timeout or something. Maybe the fourth. Well, they're playing that fourth quarter vignette video up there. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a really good idea. Before, yeah, that's the perfect diet. That's the perfect time, Aslan. Now, yeah. not for not this week. <laughs> right. <it> won't matter. <laughs> Lights probably won't even be on. So you turn them off, nobody will know. But I think for night games, Georgia, I think, does something similar to that. I think that would be really cool to start doing for night games. Yeah. And I'm still with it, man. Horses live in the dark. Their stables are dark. Uh, I have faith in Renegade and the Durham family that yeah. Renegade can make it to the 50-yard line with the lights dim and then let Osceola plant the spear before the game, and then the lights explode and go full but throttle afterwards. It might just be for the Duke game, though, right? Maybe Miami will be a night game? Yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. But, anyhow. North Carolina, Noel, are you guys seeing enough out of Julian Armella and or Jalen early in practice to believe they will be ready to start next year? It's a good question, um, and it's hard to define, man. I'm not smart enough to watch an old lineman that's getting uh, – to to pro, to project, okay, he can't block Jared Verse now. Who can? But next year, would he be more capable? Uh, because you know Julian Armella gets beat a lot. He also he's not he's not a turnstile, but he does get beat a good bit. But he's a redshirt freshman going up against Jared Verse. That's supposed to happen. So it's hard for me to say. You like the body type. You like the way he moves. I will say that. And I also thought what was intri- interesting, Aslan on. Tuesday, after practice, Norvell, it wasn't that he called Armella out, but he was talking about Armella, and he said he has to get better. He has to get a lot better. But, and then he said he said something positive about it, which to me means they really have expectations for him. When you don't, when you don't think a player is going to ever play or factor into your program, you don't bring him up, especially a backup that only gets in when the games are over, like Armella would, uh, potentially. So I thought that was interesting. Like, I think they absolutely have liked enough of what they've seen of him to know that he might and probably will be a starting tackle for them next year. I do think that, but him calling him out is like, well, he's got to keep progressing too. Like if he can't do it, if he's still what he is right now, but he's got another year to get there. And I think they like the the mold they get to work with and they like the flashes he shows at times. But I thought that was very, very um, enlightening that Mike Norvell called out a backup retro freshman offensive line about he needs to get better. Yeah. He wouldn't do that if he didn't care. He wouldn't do that if he didn't think he was going to be a starter here in the next year or two. Early, no idea. Yeah, they like Early. I mean, Early is the guy yeah. that he brought up before he kind of uh, put the spotlight on Armella. I, and I, wonder... I just meant, yes, I know they like him. I just meant yeah. like watching the day-to-day ready. practice. Yeah, being ready. Yeah. Being ready. He, again, he is he's going up against Fabian Lovett, Braden Fisk, um, Joshua Farmer, Daryl Jackson. It's tough sledding out there, man. Yeah. Um, and he gets, you know, he, he does, he, he loses the, the requisite amount of reps you would think he would lose in that scenario. Red shirt freshman against those dudes. Yeah. But again, we're talking about next year. And I think next year he could absolutely be ready. Yeah, I think early is a little bit ahead of Armella right now. Um, I, I wonder like what the odds are if it was like completely different tackles next year. One of those guys and a guy from the portal, both of those guys, or you know, uh, the different options they could go at that yeah. at that spot right now. I mean, what would, a great what a great yeah. way to battle test yourself, though. Yeah. 
Like, it didn't used to be like this. Like, Robert Scott didn't have anybody to hone his skills on or sharpen his iron. He had to go out on Saturdays and do it as a freshman. Mm. These guys get essentially two years to go up against the likes of Jared Burse and Fabian Lovett and Daryl Jackson. Like, NFL dudes, they're growing up against them. They're seeing what it's like. That You can't replicate how important that is moving forward to go up against that kind of stuff every day. I am Ira... But not really. But that's not the name. Uh, but the name is I Am Ira. He says, P.S., it's my decade anniversary with War Chant. Nice. Congratulations. What's the 10-year uh, anniversary? Is that p- paper? <laughs> I think so. Plastic? Is that gold? I forget what that is. <laughs> what was your name over on the other website uh, or the other network, I wonder? Because I don't remember seeing that name for the last nine years. But anyhow, I digress. I am curious on your guys' thoughts about our offensive woes we've been seeing. I tend to think it may be a lack of creative play calling. I know Norvell forces one-on-ones a lot, but we don't really see players schemed wide open much. It seems to be my guy is going to line up and beat your guy instead of forcing a defense into mistakes with rub routes, misdirection, Jordan Travis running, etc. Thoughts? Question mark. What was the first part of the question? Can you read like the first eight words again? I'm curious on your guys' thoughts about our offensive woes we've been seeing. Yeah. I just oh, I, oh, take umbrage with that, Corey. I absolutely take umbrage with with the word woes. Um, you, Florida State has the fourth highest scoring offense in the country. Um, they are not scoring fifty five points a game. They are not two thousand thirteen. I think the biggest offensive woes with this football team, quite honestly, is they don't get the ball enough. They're not on the field enough. Some of that, like this past weekends, because they had they hit they had a two play drive and a one play drive. So they they end up running sixty plays. They're 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 in the hundreds in plays per game. But like well, we they talked scored about, on those drives though. It wasn't like they no no I know. But my point is, I just think that's it. I think they're not. But that was that, that, that's not a great example. I, I guess they scored forty points in that game, and they were getting a question about woes. Uh, so that but but I think before that, a lot like even in that game, I should say Virginia Tech had like a sixteen play drive. They had the ball for more than half a quarter. Like, that's happened in every game where the defense started. You saw the defense started really strong. The offense kept getting to go on the field. All of a sudden, it's up. they're up 22-0 and have the ball again and are going in for maybe another score before a, a kind of dubious holding call on Roddick and then a absolutely dubious non-PI on Virginia Tech. They had they had scored on 20 – they scored on three straight drives, all touchdowns. Um, so, no, I don't – I. I don't know that I would say he doesn't scheme people open. Um, I I think there have been moments where Jordan Travis, when nothing is open, will just lob it to his guy. Or if he sees a one-on-one, he's going to give his guys a shot. Um, Ja'Kai Douglas, the play that he got interfered with, that my man's open. Not, not by much, but he's open. It's a great throw, and he gets pulled away from the ball. Um, and then other than that, I, I guess they punted one, one, one or two more times. Um, and one was, you know, he got a ball batted down at the line. Keon was open for a first down. He got it batted down the line. I think they do a really good job of scheming stuff for tight ends. Um, they, I would say the middle of the field with uh, maybe more skilled playmakers is what I would like to see. I just think, again, I'm going to keep harping on this. Destin Hill isn't normal. There aren't, there aren't, a lot, there aren't Destin Hills all over the country. Um, he needs to be utilized a little bit more. But I get it. You have Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell. I mean, I know he didn't play much this last game. He was limited. 
Trey Benson, Jordan Travis. There's a lot of ball, a lot of hands that need to touch the football. Destin Hill's hands need to get on the ball. But yeah, again, you know, they, they didn't look good against Clemson. Nobody does. Um, they did not look good for what the final three drives against Boston College. That was gross. Yeah. Other than that, uh, they have been a very good offense. Well, I mean, but those are moments that happen. I mean, like they, they did not look good in those stretches against Boston College. They had an opportunity to go down the field and win the game in regulation against Clemson uh, after that missed field goal and could not. I mean, they only had one yard of offense in an entire quarter against the Power 5 team. I don't know how much of this is comparing against 2013, but, you know, looking at the drive chart from the LSU game, Corey, that, you know, the end of that third quarter into the fourth quarter, seven plays, 87 yards, touchdown. Eight plays, 57 yards, touchdown. Three plays, 57 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 54 yards, touchdown. It was these sort of unstoppable-looking moments they had a month ago that no longer seemed to be there. I mean, I know they jumped out 22-0. to zero. Some of these were these, and I don't want to begrudge, oh, they're, they're scoring too fast. They're getting all 80 yards in one play as opposed to seven. But I think it's like this eyeball test, which stats are stats. Stats are a real thing. They're not alternative facts. But, like, it would be nice to see these seven-play 80-yard drives just happen like clockwork, which I guess might be asking for a little bit they too don't. much. They don't. I guess that's it is they don't. Nobody does it. Nobody does that. No no teams around the country do that. But you saw I, it a month ago, and it looked so awesome, and, like, this is they, what they're they, going to be, and that's it's not what they've turned out to be. But, but I, which I, you could be I, disappointed in, but I don't think we should be discouraged. Yeah, I just again, I you know, you go, you you, you just gave those numbers. I'm going to the the Florida State Virginia Tech box score to look at that drive chart. If my computer ever uh, updates, Aha. which would be awesome, I'm, I'm having an Aslan moment. But that was a I, I they're not going to score every time they get the ball, and they're not going to look great every time they get the ball. It's just not possible. It doesn't happen. Not in, not in competitive athletics. Um, so we, I guess, we have to figure out what we define as. Uh, struggling or, um, you know, underperforming. I, I just wouldn't – I wouldn't look at what this off, offense did. And I'm basically really almost solely on the last game. First quarter, I, 13 plays, 75 yards, 7 plays, 66, 7 plays, 45. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, your first drive took up almost six minutes. Uh, then the, the next two, drive – the next drive minutes. is the – the next drive is the four-play, one-yard – where they had to punt because of the holding call. Mm-hmm. Uh, three plays, three minus three yards was gross. That that They had a third down, and he took a sack. I thought that was his worst play. And then they got the ball right before half, and it was one play, and they're done. Well, 46 and they went, seconds, though, in a moment that they practice every single day in period three, Corey. Like they, those situations, well, end, that, of, the mean, against, not, end of the game against Clemson, like you you've do that every single day. And like when it matters in a game sometimes, like you, you talk about, Azaria Thomas's interception counting, and then that game becomes a completely different outcome. Like, what if you actually score that touchdown? Like, if you're able to get points before the half. Oh, then- see, I don't. I, I well, I will say this. Like, look, I I get what you're saying. I I would I would counter back. They weren't going to score a touchdown with 46 seconds left. Virginia Tech, I don't think was going to allow that with no timeouts. I mean, but they would they could have gotten in field goal range. So instead of 22 to 10, it's 25 to 10, which is better than 22 to 10. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just you know. They practice everything all the time. It doesn't mean it's always going to work. Some things get blown up. Sometimes you miss an assignment. But again, they had they had those three drives you just talked about. They had the bad second quarter. Their drives in the second half were 75 yards, 71 yards, 15 yards in a punt, 85 yards, and the game's over. So 
three out of their four drives, when the game was in doubt, they scored on 75, 71, and 85. I I, I just, you scored 40 points. Uh, You would have won by 30 if you don't give up a kickoff return. There are going to be, it's just not going to be perfect, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like this game coming up, they might score 34 points. And you might be like, ugh. I mean, that's, you scored 45 against Louisville. But if you're only going to hold this offense to the Louisville second half, or sorry, Louisville, LSU standard, the second half of the Louisville game, well, you're always going to be disappointed because that might be the best they ever play all season. And it might be the worst defense they see for holy heavens to Betsy <laughs> with what Brian Kelly's got going on in Baton Rouge. But that was a horrible defense, apparently, that they were lighting up. And they're going to play better defenses, most notably next week. Hmm. Uh, that you know they are not going to march up and down the field against Duke. N- nobody does. Uh, Notre Dame was really lucky to win that game, and you saw what Duke did to Clemson. So Florida State is not going to march up and down the field. I get it. It hasn't looked maybe, but I mean even the Oklahoma game they had one touchdown in the first half. The Florida game they played great for a stretch, but they were down in that game like seventeen to seven in the second quarter. Like, I think we're we're misremembering what a great offense looks like and just thinks it scores every time it gets the ball. And just going by the stats and what they do when they have the ball, this is a very good to great offense that luckily for all of us can still play better, right? It still has some room to improve, which is really, really encouraging. I mean, I... Aslan, I did. I wrote a story about uh, Dino and what he all the nice things he was saying about Florida State and Jordan Travis. In that game two years ago, Jordan Travis ran for 118 yards. That's the only reason they won that game, and I got to dump champagne on myself. Mm. There will be a moment this season where that Jordan Travis is unleashed, where he's like, I'm just, I'm going to be Dylan Gabriel. I'm going to run for 85 yards. I'm going to run for 96 yards in this game. And then this, I genuinely think this offense becomes almost unstoppable. No offense is. But if they play well and execute, it's about as unstoppable as it can get. And I and I do think they devise um, – I don't think it's just a jump ball, throw it up to Chris Rick's Jeff Bowden offense. Hmm. I think it was against Clemson, and that's about it. Jarenol, 15-18. Uh, do you think Mario Cristobal would have had the wherewithal to kneel the ball had he taken a vitamin energy focus plus before kickoff Saturday night? I don't know well, how to answer a lot of these questions, Corey, but that one I can unequivocally say – uh, no, uh, Focus Plus would not have allowed such an error no. to have occurred. Well, no, I think he's saying if he had taken the Focus Plus, would he have known? Uh, I think the thing is, is he just doesn't have that in his brain. Mm. You can only focus on what's in your brain. Mm. So if you're, you know, it's it's like uh, the people that drink. If you're a sad person and you get drunk, you're probably going to be more sad. If you're a happy-go-lucky person and you drink, you're going to be happier and go lucky, more go lucky. Mm. I feel like with somebody like Cristobal, you can fo- you can you can focus all you want. You can have your focus plus and your vitamin energy, which he should be taking. Mm. But if it's not in his brain at all, it's never going to come out. Well, we all know you have the good stuff in your brains, everybody. Mm. So take vitamin energy to bring the best of it out. Vitaminenergy.com. That promo code is Warchant Bogo. No spaces, just Warchant B O G O. Buy one, get one free. Equal lesser value. Again, the first and only in the world clinically proven energy shot. 82% of participants in the clinical study agreed that they felt energized very quickly after taking the shot and felt less fatigued throughout the day. 75% agreed that they were able to focus and concentrate better after the shot. There's Focus Plus. There's Hydration Plus. There's the Extra Strength version with some green tea extract in there to keep it even more punchy for you. 
Focus Plus, Mood Plus. We talk about all of them. Try all of them in the variety pack. And you can buy one, you can get one free. Use that promo code WordChampBOGO, vitaminenergy.com. Shake it, take it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Jaronol's question, uh, wake up. Gentlemen, I have a theory. FSU's defense is about to vault up the national rankings in some major statistical categories. Athletic quarterbacks have been what's given the defense fits this year, and I don't see much of that left on the schedule, especially with Riley Leonard of Duke now hobbled. Does this forecast of mine have legs, pun intended, Mm. or am I oversimplifying things? No, I think that's a very good, um, um, you know, Observation. Golly, Clark, think. I need my vitamin energy. Um, No, it is. It is because um, you just – even this kid on Saturday, he couldn't throw it off the side of a barn. But he's a scary guy. He's a scary guy that you don't rush. And I think that's why they ran the ball pretty well. Um, Because he – you know, the only two teams that have run the ball even decently against Florida State are Boston College and Virginia Tech. And I'm talking about with the running backs, where running backs would get a five-yard gain here, a seven-yard gain. They're not giving up big yardage to running backs, but they're giving up first downs occasionally, and, yeah. got, and the piles are moving forward. That's all because the, the quarterback is such a, a, dynamic wep, a dynamic weapon when he has the ball in his hands, too. So you have to play for that a little bit. Syracuse, I just don't see Schrader pulling it a lot on his own read, um, and he's just a different kind of runner. And then obviously, like you said, Leonard is banged up. Van Dyke doesn't do it at all. I don't think the Wake kid does it at all. So, yes, I do think it's going to help them tremendously. It's going to help the pass rush, and it's also going to help the rushing stats, quite frankly, because these guys are a nightmare. Jaden Daniels and Cassianos and this kid drones, it's not they're nightmares to try to defend in the running game. Now, they're not nightmares necessarily uh, in the passing game. Daniels is. The other two aren't. But, yeah, it, it's going to be good to see them for the next month at least. Really, the whole season, right? Because Mertz doesn't do it either. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they have. Get, and if they get Drake May in the championship game, he's he's athletic, but he doesn't call his number a lot. There's not a lot that's of design not part. Runs, the, yeah. The, yeah, I was gonna say part of their game plan isn't him running 17 times. Yeah. So yeah, they don't see it again. So I I do believe that. I do think that the and their their numbers are fine. They're not great. They're fine. But yes, I think the fact that they're playing less athletic quarterbacks as we move forward. Um, should absolutely benefit uh, the numbers and the defense itself. Well, we got a hard out, so we're going to go a little bit maybe pace on Let's these go. ones. Your Bradley Moss, wake up since we're almost at the midway point this season. Who do you feel has played better so far, the offense or the defense? The, I mean, statistically, the offense, again, like to Corey's point, they're number four in scoring offense. This defense statistically is significantly worse than last year. But I think we would all agree that this defense is noticeably better than last year, so go figure. I think the defense has played closer to its potential for longer stretches of the season than the offense has. So I'll, I'll give slight edge of the defense so far. I think, yeah, I think, I think the defense has been closer to maybe what we expected it to look like. Um, again, like I said, the numbers are the numbers. And sorry, Florida State's sixth in scoring offense. I don't know why I keep saying they're fourth. 
I apologize to the fans of Oklahoma mm. who actually do have the fourth highest scoring offense. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think, I, I guess I would say the defense and I, and I also think the defense is about to take a tick up, like we said, but I also think the offense is too. Like that was a weird first month. Um, and you got through it. And then I thought the offense, you know, 460 yards and 40 points and 10 possessions or whatever it was, that's perfectly good. And that's good enough. That's, that's elite level. Um, and I, but I, yeah, it's a hard question, man. That's a hard question. I guess I would say, um, I guess I would say only because of the way the Boston college game ended in stretches of the Clemson game, which matter, um, I would say the defense has performed better okay. because I was just so disappointed in the offense at the end of the game against Boston college. Bishop 16, 17, Wake up. Aslan Corey, there are reports that the ACC has vetted Tulsa, Tulane, Memphis, East Carolina, Bowling Green, UAB, and USF for possible expansion. Yeah. Do you think the ACC is vetting these teams to replace Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina? If Florida State does not leave the ACC, which of those aforementioned teams, three of them, pick please, would you add to the ACC? Bishop1617 has the right answer. He says Tulane, Memphis, and USF. Yeah, those are, I mean, Bowling Green. Yeah. What are we doing? UAB would, I like Birmingham. I got a buddy who lives in Birmingham. I wouldn't mind going to Birmingham every three years or whatever it would be with that schedule. But, um, yeah, New Orleans, Tulane, let me go home to, to Tampa for USF and then Memphis have some barbecue. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I think for the betterment of the conference, I don't even think USF does anything for you. Uh, Memphis, Memphis has a pretty good fan base. Um, not a large one, but they're, they show up. That's a good fan base when they're good. And then Tulane, just because we'd get to go to New Orleans every other year. Well, not every other year, but who knows how it's going Well, to that's true. We wouldn't know how the division – there wouldn't even be divisions. So, yeah, it'd be every four years, every five years. Who knows? By the way, real quick aside, you know, we're the – the Pac-12, I think, last year, maybe the last few years, has gone divisionless. So, like, when I think about it, everyone talks about, man, Florida State could go undefeated in conference play and not make the, the ACC championship game. It's like, yeah, man, it's point zero 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 one, And it's also, like, unprecedented for three teams to be undefeated in one conference. But it's like, right. well, we usually have divisions, and then you're playing each other in your division, so that's how it works out. But it's like, no, man, look at the Pac-12, though. Um, I mean, it's... It's not going to happen. Save this. Timestamp it. 37-minute mark, probably, of the show... Like, Florida State's not going undefeated in ACC play and not making it to Charlotte. It's not happening. Uh, it, would be hard to, it would be hard for that to happen. It's, I don't even know how it could happen. Mind bo- I, I don't even yeah. know. It's, it's, it's unfathomable. Um, Anon, Anon, and then it looks like 13 How about this, digits. though, Aslan? What if they did go undefeated and didn't make it? It would actually be better for them, right? Because it's one less opportunity to lose, and they would almost certainly, if they're undefeated, be in the top four in the country. Yeah, yeah, but I, and then maybe there'd be like public sen- sentiment about like how silly it is that they got left out of that game yeah. and they deserve to play uh, in the playoff. But uh, that's another show. Uh, I can't wait. Which, by the way, everybody, I know this is Wake Up War Chant, and we love Florida State. We're gonna talk about Florida State, but man, if they're in the thick of this and these college football playoff polls start dropping, we're gonna do. You're gonna have 30 minutes of Aslan just talking about all the crazy scenarios that might or might not happen. Can't I, wait. I can't, can't wait. wait. I, I didn't can't know this wait. day would ever come. I'll be I, honest with you. I know. So it's good to know it. it's just right around the corner, yeah. perhaps. Anon 169-529-8726. Sounds like a bot. <laughs> it does. Uh, AI taking over the message boards. Yeah. Wake up. What do you all think the chances are we still get game day this year? 
I thought we had a good chance against Miami, but they refused to bend the knee, you might say. So now I'm unsure. I really wanted Lee Corso to have one more time in Tallahassee. He is a national treasure. Thanks. I, I think there's still a ch- – Miami has to win this weekend. Correct. To have any chance at all. Like, Correct. look, man, if we, we said this before. If if Florida State's 9-0 and and Miami's 8-1, and there's a Miami would be ranked high, and also there would be the the sentiment that Miami's nine and zero too, and their coach just screwed up and flubbed them the game. Hmm. But they deserve to be ranked high because they're they're really a nine win team that their coach gave them a loss. So I think there is still, if Florida State is nine and zero and Miami is eight and one, I think game day shows up to Tallahassee. So if you want that to happen, cheer for Miami the rest of the way until Tallahassee. If you rather see Miami just suffer and crater and you don't care that much about Lee Corso getting one last shot in Tallahassee, and I'm not making fun of the, the question. I'm saying if that's your the, the side of the fence you stand on, then, yeah, root for Miami to lose the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, for those holding out hope that maybe Duke against Florida State could be uh, Penn State at Ohio State that weekend, yeah, Tennessee at Alabama, Utah at Southern Cal, um, I think all those games would probably get pressed. It's got to be Penn State, Michigan, right? Or yeah. Penn State, Ohio State. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. Also, Washington State at Oregon, especially if Oregon comes off a big win against, you know, well, Washington. Well, no, I mean, they're going to – they would choose the Utah and the other one first, I think. But, uh, but I mean, it's got to be Penn State, Ohio State, unless Penn, one of them loses this weekend. That's the autom- that's auto- auto- automatic there. Yeah. Um, can't really answer this one, but we'll read it. Um uh, Island Chief, wake up. Always appreciate your take on my questions. Makes me question my assumptions, and I enjoy the questions of all my fellow War Champ members. I am an unabashed supporter of Jordan Travis. Do we know Jordan's middle name, by the way? I want to start calling him like by his full name. I, need to figure I bet out it's on Wikipedia. Yeah. I am unab- unabashed supporter of Jordan Travis, and watching his progress has been among my favorite thrills as a 40-plus year fan of the Knowles. But I have questions about his footwork this season to me. He is off form. Here's my video evidence. He posts two videos. Um, I have not clicked on the videos. I don't know if he's got them time stamped and, and loaded up for us. Um, off platform uh, is throwing off your back foot. Is that how it's described? Do you see it? Should I be concerned? Uh, I saw, I think somebody else on Twitter might be posting something about him not, you know, launching off his foot properly, his backside not activating the glutes or something. I, I'm not uh, George Whitfield or, right. uh, you know, the, the proper quarterback whisperer guy to, to answer this one. Uh, but we can maybe look at the video later, maybe float it by somebody off uh, camera and see what they say about it. But um, I don't think anything has been – I don't think Jordan's woes, struggles, air quotes, uh, are fundamentally technically technically unsound movements. I don't think that's it. I would say there have been a couple of instances this year where it feels like he's backing up for no reason. And he's kind of throwing off his back. Not even throwing off your back foot as much as not throwing um, with conviction and not stepping into throws where there's no real pressure. Like when there's pressure, that's obvious. You're going to do that. Um, It's like he's got Mahomes, a little Mahomesian in him with the way he'll he'll fling it from the side or he'll fling it on the run this way and that way. He just doesn't have, obviously, who does, the arm strength. So he's doing some Mahomesian types throws without the arm strength. And I think it has been noticeable in a couple instances. Uh, I thought the first Johnny Wilson touchdown on 
Saturday. I didn't think that was a good throw at all. I thought he was, he had to roll to his left a little bit to avoid pressure, but he kind of did. He didn't lead him. He didn't throw with a lot of zip. And there are a couple other plays where I was like, all right, you you don't have to do that so much. But it's just again, it's hard to argue with the results. I would say. The only bad throw he made in that whole game, and he threw, I don't know, 30 times, 25 times, was the one to Ja'Kai on the double move. Uh, that that should be a touchdown. And I don't know if he waited too long. He he. It looked like he stepped into it, but he didn't get nearly – he needed to be 10 yards further, and that's a touchdown. Instead, Ja'Kai has to come back to the ball, and now he still dropped it, but it was not Jordan's best throw. That's got to be that, – that needs to be led. That needs to be as far as he can throw it in a in, in for a touchdown. So – you know, like Aslan said, we're not we're not George Whitfield. We it's hard for us to break down throwing mechanics, but I thought I think it has been a little bit more noticeable around the country. By the way, I think we talk about the Steph Curry effect in basketball and kids pulling up from all angles uh, when it's a three on one and they're going to pull up and take a twenty eight footer or take a take crazy three point shots when they they don't seem to be open off the dribbler or whatnot. I feel like you're seeing a Mahomesian effect all over college football as well. Yeah, quarterbacks. Throwing it from all different angles, not leaning into it, not throwing on, not throwing with the you know the Drew Bledsoe form that they've been taught forever, um, and so I think Jordan Travis is just one of those guys. But if you watch the rest of the country, you see a lot of quarterbacks kind of fading back a little bit, throwing from weird angles a little bit. So the Mahomesian effect. Yeah. Caleb Williams too, I'm sure, also is affecting yes. some of these guys. Well, Caleb Williams does the same thing Mahomes does, right? Yeah. Like he throws from all different kinds of angles. He throws with terrible footwork sometimes. <laughs> it's just he has the arm. He has an incredible arm, so it doesn't always matter. Yeah. Old Dadson will wake up. Happy to say I got Brock Bauer 68-1 to over at my bookie before it dropped. Thanks to you two guys. Nice, I'll never, nice. I'll never pull for that team, but I can pull for that guy. Right. Uh, let it cash out, and a corner pocket meal will be on me. I still Good. need to try the prime rib sandwich, Corey. Maybe Friday. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that'll be it's my great. dinner. It's great. Get the au jus. Make sure they bring extra au jus. Happy to see Jordan running again. In my opinion, that is the path to beating a playoff caliber team. Two freaks on the outside. Utilize the slot. The many tight ends, including the freight train, Marquise and Douglas. The running backs we have, and now extra pressure of a very elusive quarterback who will pull the ball out. How the heck can even a Georgia defend all of that. Cheers to you guys, old dad. Thank you, old dad. Yeah, I think when you look at Georgia uh, or a team like Georgia of Georgia's ilk, um, the the way Auburn kept that close was they ran the quarterback. It's just hard, even great defenses. And I don't know that Georgia's defense is great, but it's clearly very good. Um, and I don't even know what that distinction, if that even matters. But the one thing they couldn't stop was a mobile quarterback. So in those games, and that that's why the Boston College game he was injured. That's why I wonder those last two drives when the game is on the line and it's slipping away, it's slipping away, and you just need first downs. I think a healthy Jordan Travis ices that game with a couple of just back-breaking quarterback runs that we've all watched enough football to know what that looks like. It's third and six. You've got him right where you want him. Oh man, the quarterback just ran for 11 yards. Oh, that's a dagger. Mahomes does it all the time. I don't know why I keep bringing him up, but I do. Um, so I absolutely agree. I think the one wild card when you play, and I'm not even saying the playoff. I'm talking about maybe you're in a close game with Miami in the fourth quarter. Maybe you're in a close game in the ACC championship. Maybe you're in a close game in the swamp. When everything is on the line, everything is equal, they're, they've got their crowd riled up. They've got momentum. They're trying to come back or they're trying to ice the game. The one thing you have is a quarterback that in space they can't tackle. 
Now, you've got the two great wideouts, too. But I would like to see that the next time they get in a close-ish game, that Jordan Travis runs and puts the game away. Because that's just something you can't you can't defend. And I, I do think that will be something they that, that that's something they have up their sleeve for when they absolutely needed it. They absolutely needed it against Clemson in Boston College. He was not capable. Or he did not want to get hit. As he moves forward and hopefully doesn't get tackled much, um, when they need it to pull that ace out of their sleeve, it's good to know it's there. Well, let's keep it up with that theme of maybe putting it all together. Our guy Mark down in Naples, M. Adam CZ, wake up. I think this team is in beautiful position, and here's why. They got through the hardest part of the schedule undefeated, including dominating performance over a pretty good LSU team. And Clemson may not be what they were four years ago, but it's still very talented, and even really good teams hardly ever win in Death Valley. One could easily predict a slip-up in the next few weeks. Looking ahead to Miami or assuming a trip to Charlotte is a done deal, I don't see it happening. Why? I think this team knows they haven't played a complete game yet. I think they know that they are the best team in the country once it clicks. And I think that they, players and coaches, want that click moment to happen more than anything. I think we'll see them trying to keep that edge that Mike talks about and not get complacent. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I do. I, 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 this uh, is this, uh, pretty, uh, a pretty important game. Uh, for how they come out and if they can establish dominance early, just like they did last week against an overmatched opponent. The way you Dino Babers is talking about this team, and you, I would I would uh, uh, tell you guys, I, w- I would encourage you guys to go read the, the story on our website on WarChant.com, or go watch the video, but well, no, go read our story on WarChant.com. Mm. You know, he, he basically talks about Florida State wanting to win a national championship. They had a lot of guys come back to win a national championship. They're on the right path. He said Jordan Travis, the best quarterback they've played all season, including Drake May. Um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, mainly, I think he brought up, did you read that quote or see that interview, Aslan? No. The Babers one? I re- referenced it to me, but I haven't gone back. Yeah, the, the to press it. conference, he basically says the reason he thinks Jordan Travis is the best is because he's been at the bottom. Mm. Like the thing I was talking about yesterday, like he was at Louisville and then he went to Florida State and he started at the bottom and now he's where he is. So he's got a different mindset than, all, than, than the, the, these other people have. Plus he has legs, he could run. But he's like the whole package. He's got uh, a he, he's got uh, he, he a crazy des- desire to win, which is what Baber said. He desperately wants to win. He's talented, great arm, great legs, sees the field, and is really experienced. Um, so that being said, l- let that all be on display. The point was that Syracuse. I feel like the way Babers is talking and the way he brought up the NIL and how they don't have any depth. NIL is taking their depth. Meanwhile, Florida State has a great NIL and they're awesome. Um, they're, I just get the feeling they think they're, they might get their heads kicked in. Mm. Well, so go out and do it. Like, do it like they did last year. Just do what you did to them last year. Yeah. Go go, go! deliver a beating like that again um, and do it for four quarters because that Syracuse game, you know, it was they scored 38. They didn't score 50. But that and the Miami game back-to-back was the two best – was the, the best eight-quarter stretch Florida State played all season. Not close. It would be nice to see that again as we move forward. They can still keep winning games by 22 points, and they can still be in games in the third quarter and get to where they want to go. But as Mark was saying, you also want to give yourself confidence that you can put four quarters together. And when you do, this is what it looks like. And holy moly, we really might be the best team in the country. You can't prove that against Syracuse. You go out and beat Syracuse 50-10, to 10, nobody's going to be like, well, Florida State, you can't beat them. But it would be good for the own team. I think the team's psyche 
to know that they can string four quarters together. Because they will have to at some point, or their undefeated season will be no more. Adam LPBCB1990. All these bots. Seriously. Well, the 1990, though. All right. That helps. Uh, thanks for the music choices, guys. Usually pausing the podcast, go to download whatever Aslan uh, has put into the show for the intro. It's the little things, boys. It's the little mm-hmm. things. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Uh, do you think Mike Norvell's emphasis on fans showing up and the Marching Chiefs' loudness and how that impacts the game stems from him also recognizing the game day and stadium experience could be better? Yeah. He's fielded teams in Clemson and NC State, the Swamp. He hears loud stadiums. I'm sure he wants Doke to get that loud. Third down cues and video board highlights seem to be missing. I remember the first time I saw Greg Jones truck that dude from North Carolina was on a highlight on the big screen at Doke, and for some uh, and for some first-time attending fans sitting by me to ask, why are you yelling when it's third down is unacceptable. They might need the video board and ribbon screens cueing them to mm. make it loud. Yeah, I guess they don't do that, do they? just go, it's, uh, it's third it's the, They don't even down. do that. It go, he doesn't do it's third down. Boom. <laughs> boom. They, but he just goes, it's third down. <laughs> but, they need, yeah, maybe they need to get loud on the video board. Because uh, at least the kids will see it and get loud. Uh, yeah, that, I do. That, look, you guys have heard me. I can't. I can't keep ranting about it. I hope there have been changes made. But that video board uh, needs whoever's running it, whoever's in charge of it, should have been at Clemson to see what they did and taken all taken a lot of notes because they do it. They do it right. They do it perfectly. Florida State's still struggling with that. But I, I didn't even notice that. But that's true. They used. Every now and again, they'll do stand up and shout that yeah. thing. They did like but an they don't even do that mix. too much. They did an extended mix last yeah, week. I, I know because like... it was well, it was a TV timeout or they were reviewing something. We got to hear the whole song. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying. Like there's a, a clip of Josh Farmer and Daryl Jackson in slow mo, like jumping up and down, like encouraging you, I guess, to mm. get loud. But yeah. there's it, it would help. If there's a graphic that said like. Stand up or make Stand noise. Stand up, get loud, get yeah. loud and flash on the screen. Get loud, get loud. There, You shouldn't have to do that. They didn't do that back in the 80s when no, I was going to games, but no. it's 2023. All stadiums people look do at that. Their, people are looking at their phones, and then they look yep. up and they don't know what's going on. They need to be told what to do. And to, then on, to get loud. And on fourth down, there's just a play of, like, there's a clip of, like, four defensive backs holding a down marker with a four on it, and they're just, like, pointing at it. And it's like, well, you know, put some – Music, put some text overlay on that, and literally, you could just say "get loud." That, that too. Get loud or scream. Keep playing and, the war chant. Just keep and, playing and on loop. Pe- people, people will do it. People will take that cue. Mm-hmm. I, I did think it was funny in that game, real quick, that they they did come up with like a cool fourth quarter uh, montage. Yeah, like starting great. the fourth quarter, yeah. it was really neat. They, we saw it in Clemson the week before, and they had an awesome one. This one was really good too. After the eastbound and down, they did a fourth quarter thing. Yeah. And it was really awesome, and it got the crowd right involved. Everybody was excited, getting ready for the fourth quarter, <laughs> and it just happened to be where uh, the next play was a Florida State punt. Yeah. Like, literally, yeah. everybody's getting loud. They're getting hyped up as Master Mato's waiting <laughs> for the snap. So that it was just bad timing. But, yeah, I, I appreciate that effort for sure. Oh, I'm going to blindside you here a little bit, Corey, as we go to mybookie.ag. My bookie. It is Thursday. If you haven't subscribed or signed up at MyBookie and you choose to do so, use that promo code WordChan. I'll get you an instant cash deposit bonus. Should we go with three games, Corey, or should we stick with two each? Two. Okay, two. All right, I already got two picked out. Uh, Auburn at LSU, 60 points the total. 
Over. I'm going to take the over, everybody. I'm back I'm back on the over bus. Uh, I hate taking unders. I'll try never to do it again. This one feels a little stinky to me. Both these teams coming off tough losses. Arizona, obviously the Southern Cal in triple overtime. Washington State clamped down against UCLA. It's in Pullman. Washington State's favored by eight. That's a large number. It makes me think that there must be something going on with Arizona. I know they have their backup quarterback maybe played out of his mind. I am going to get risky. I'm going to say Washington State covers eight points against Arizona. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like that bet. I, I take the under at LSU-Auburn. I think Auburn's got a very good defense, or a good defense. Their offense is horrible. Um, LSU clearly has a good offense and no defense. But I think Auburn's offense is so bad that the most I could see them scoring is like 20. And I would be – it's hard to imagine, even as good as LSU is, that they would score 40 on Auburn. So I'm looking at like a I'm looking at like a 33 to 17 game LSU and Auburn. So I'm taking the under. Aslan's taking the over. So and those your those are your and that your pick is going to be the same one as mine on Arizona. So we're just gonna we're just gonna differ on that one on Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I feel like people if they're cross checking, they're like, oh well, got 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 to take the Cougs. <laughs> Well, maybe next week get two different games, Corey, so we can make this a true competition. I need to feel good about something. I want to defeat Sorry. you in something. Maybe can't beat you in a, a war of wits, but maybe picking games. <laughs> sure. You pick your games, everybody. Do it over at mybookie.ag. Again, that promo code is WarChant Instant Cash Deposit Bonus. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at mybookie. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Corey, let's get a few more in. Whichever ones we don't get in, we'll, we'll start off the live show Later tonight, 6 o'clock, by the way, kids, uh, 6 p.m. live Eastern. Wake up, War Chant, live. So we'll get to the rest of them. Warpath, Noel, wake up. What are your biggest surprises and disappointments of the year? Can be either player or position group. Thanks. Um, huh, What has surprised me? Um, I feel like we saw a lot of this stuff. I mean, shout out Ryan Fitzgerald. If you'd have told me he's going to make a 48-yard field goal in Death Valley, with yeah. like stakes, uh, it turned out to be a huge kick. Yeah, um, I'll 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 give it to my guy uh, Fitzy. I hate to, I don't want to even say, it, but I have a disappointment. But I want to say it. I want to put it out there. It sounds I just Jordan Travis, sixty first in the country in passing yardage, and I shouldn't put it all on him. I just I thought this passing game with these weapons would be considerably higher on that list, and it's early. You know they they played a. The Southern Miss team, that was a weird kind of game, emotional, let down maybe after that LSU game, and they've you know, found themselves against a, a sound defense in Clemson on the road. So, yeah. you know, Syracuse, Miami, uh, maybe those Duke. Actually, though, Duke probably isn't. Uh, those will be the elixir to get those numbers jacked up. I just thought Jordan would for sure be one of those, like, top of the Heisman Trophy winning guys uh, at this point at the halfway mark of the season. He, he is not. So, it. It's, I don't want to say disappointing. It's, I didn't see it coming. How about that one? Surprise. Again. I okay, yeah. And, and again, it, you know, they don't have an offense like some of those offenses have. They're, they're never going to be – they probably won't ever be um, be like a 350-yard-a-game passing attack like North Carolina or anything. That's just not what they want to do. Uh, so he was never – I guess my point is he was never going to be a top-five 
uh, quarterback in passing yards. But I get it. I, I'm not dismissing what you're saying. I, I feel like we thought maybe they would be a little bit better uh, passing. Um, surprise, man. I honestly, I that that's the weird thing about this team. I don't know that I have one. You've been out. He's watched every practice. Everybody, we've been at all the spring practice. No, but like even like if I hadn't, I'm like nobody has played. Maybe a disappointment is the safety play still is not making game impactful plays. The safety position. That's a, but that would have to be like a surprise almost. You'd have to expect it to be. No, good that's for it a, to that's be that's a disappoint. I think that's a disappointment. I thought Shaheem okay. would have been more uh, impactful by now. And I'm not bl- I'm not saying he's playing poorly. It's just he has not made any impactful plays. And obviously Knowles and Dent, the combination of the two, has not been good. Hussey Hussey made as an impressive a play in one play on Saturday against Virginia Tech than any of the safeties have made all other safeties have made all season in 300 snaps. So I would like to see that play improve. But uh, the, the other thing is I, I don't think I've been surprised you know in a like somebody that was that I didn't think was any good that is good. I don't think any of that's happened. They've all played exactly kind of how I thought they would, I think. I had Jeremiah Byers really high on my top 40 list. I'm, I am disappointed. Ah, but he started. He starts yeah. for the number four team in the country. He's yeah. getting it done. Come on, JB. My Austin guys, my Texas guys got to play hard, man. So mm. I'm just, I expect more out of you guys. Uh, let's take uh, two more. Are we good on that? Two more? Uh, sure, sure. Our guy, Bakari, Big B7034, wake up morning, fellas. It was great to see the team start fast and dominate in the run game. Benson really put on a show and had a performance for the ages, but in that fast start and resurgence of the run game, I feel we don't show Toa Feely enough love for that touchdown run and his contribution yeah. so far. I'm guilty. Corey's not. I'm the guilty party on that one. Outside of the fumble against Boston College, I feel like he's been a great contributor that sometimes doesn't get shown the love. What are your thoughts, and who else do you think deserves some more appreciation? As always, go Knowles. Yeah, Tofili has just been a guy. It's his fourth year now, and he's just always been making plays, man. He's yeah. he's he's got a, a bevy of them that he's made in in years. He's a solid to good. Like I don't want to say he's great because he's not. He's second string of Florida State, but he is a good college football player, man. And he would start at a lot of schools around the country. I, I just love that he's that he's become a more powerful runner too. He's not a guy that just kicks it outside every time. And then he has a unique ability to stay on his feet when he's being slung around. Um, he's done it twice now, just ridiculous, crazy touchdowns. But, yeah, I do think he's a guy that's taken for granted a little bit. He's not – because he's not one of the stars, quote-unquote. He's be not su- Benson or Johnny or Keon, but, man, he is such an important part of that offense. Would you be surprised if he ended up playing more years in the NFL than Trey? Well, yes, because I don't think his body has taken the beating that Trey's might, and they're different kind of runners. And yes, I just think the modern day NFL has to be a guy that can get out on the perimeter and uh, and catch the ball. And I think he's a guy that could be a multifaceted. He's a running back. He's a wide receiver. You don't know what they're going to do with him. I think that's uh, that's very valuable to have that versatility when you get to the next level. I would also say um, Renardo Green. Hmm. Mm. I just don't think we were talking about him on headlines the other day. He is a very, very he is a just a, a, a great college cornerback. Just I mean, he gets they throw at him. You saw the two plays they threw the other day. He both incomplete, knocking the kid out of bounds on third down. He's just good. He is I don't just calling him solid doesn't do it justice because he no, he's not a playmaker. He's not T Buck or Dion. Or Leroy Butler. He's not going to be wearing a yellow jacket one day in the hall in Canton. But, man, he is great at being a solid cornerback. Does that make sense? 
I was going to say this. If there's anybody that you could clone in their position room to, like, put this team at another level, who would it be? And it's him. Like, even if you cloned, you know, Robert Scott and you had two Robert Scotts, I don't know how much better you would be. You, if you cloned... What about two Jared Versus? I don't know, man. I think Patrick Payne's pretty solid. I think yeah, if you had yeah. if you had two Renardos at corner, I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, that'd, that's, that'd be something. Yeah. And I think Azarie might be coming along, man. I think Azarie's got to change. Azarie, like you just asked, I think Azarie is not the college player that Renardo Green is right now, but I think Azarie has a chance to play in the league for a decade. Because I just think he's a he's he's a really really athletic, talented football player. Uh, Our guy Riser Mike was listening to Wake Up and you guys going over tiebreakers in the ACC in the event of that three way tie. My question is, uh, they don't go by national rankings? Question mark. Yeah. No. They they do not. not. They do not. Uh, could FSU miss the ACC championship game while being higher ranked than North Carolina and Louisville? That seems crazy. It's a point zero 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 zero. Oh, that's not true. What would you think the actual odds are? Because what what are the odds that Florida State goes undefeated? Probably like seventy two percent. Yeah. North Carolina's probably in the twenties. Louisville's probably in the twenties because of Louisville's schedule. So I feel like there's like a there's like a 20% chance oh, this happens. No way, man, cuz all three teams would need to be undefeated for this to happen. Like all three are not going undefeated. Well, so how First do odds off, work though? Like if North Carolina has a 21% chance of being undefeated and Louisville has a 21% chance of undefeated, doesn't that mean what does that mean that they have a that both of them one. going undefeated is 10 and a half percent? I yeah, you're asking the wrong guy on that. I don't know. Though. And then you factor Florida State's 77% chance likelihood of going undefeated. So if you factor all of them in together and divide by three, I uh, guys, you didn't you didn't tune in for a math tutorial, clearly because we have no idea how to do uh, statistics and odds. Uh, but yes, I I think it's higher than point zero zero one percent. Okay. Also, listening to headlines when Corey was trying to dig himself out of remarks he made towards the hearing impaired was hilarious. <laughs> you could tell he was generally concerned or genuinely concerned, and Jeff was poking fun at him. Tell Corey not to worry too much about it. After all, nobody that is deaf heard his remarks. That's a very good point. Uh, that is a good point. But people can be empathetic when they don't suffer from a, um, well, I was going to say a disability, but I don't think I can say that. And now I'm digging myself a hole again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my point, the only thing I was saying, Aslan, I'll, I'll double down here, is the only time we ever see sign language is somebody standing next to a governor when they're giving a like a national emergency speech. No, they're everywhere now. They're at some football games on the jumbotron during. Oh the yeah, no, I just meant on T. I, I meant on TV. Oh okay, okay. Like on TV, like at a press conference. Norvell doesn't have one. Right, right. Uh, Biden didn't have one. Doesn't have one. Trump, like they don't do it for the presidents. I don't. Maybe they do it for mayors too. Well, no, they do, but they're just off. Actually, I think they do for people in the crowd. But yeah, to, to your point on TV, you're right. I'll stop talking. Go ahead. Yeah, you're that's right. what I was just wondering. Yeah. Is if if you're watching it on TV, which I presume is why that person is there, next standing next to the podium, yeah. is it the person that's watching it on TV? Don't they have access to closed caption? Right. And do you? But it's a job. It's a good job for that person. I'm not dismissing that. I just, it, you know, I just found it odd that that's the only time we ever see them on TV. You know, actually, Louisville, last year, we went to the, you know, they played at Louisville, and they had the Bourbon and Beyond Festival. And I think this was the first concert I ever went to, a, a festival, where they had sign language interpreters up on the stage for the bands. Yep. It was awesome. Mm. And I'm not going to say it was distracting, because it wasn't. It's awesome watching them, because they kind of sway with the music. Oh, yeah. As they're, as they're doing the lyrics, yeah. and you can't take your eyes off them. 
it, you really could. Like Eddie Better is sitting there singing alive or something, and I'm just watching her, watching her like sway to it and seeing what she's doing and how she gets the beat in her head. It's really, really fascinating. So I that you know I hey I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah. Uh, Noel for life. Co two thousand seven tennis ump teacher Noel Beham FSU. We love you guys. We'll get to your questions later tonight, live. On for, the live show, yeah. Yeah, or on the, it'll also be the Friday podcast, so uh, tune in for those. We appreciate you guys getting involved and uh, asking questions. We just went a little bit too long on that whole is the offense having woes thing. That was like a 10-minute uh, back and forth. But, well, buddy, uh, what are we going to do? We can't. We don't have to answer 44 questions. That's impossible. That would have been 21. You know that's a lot. We're doing our we're doing the best we can. We're I wish fifteen questions is a lot. I was trying to think of like some number that had significance that was like a good number that we could always use. Like all right, we're going to take this many questions and that's it. Uh, but it's like you know I don't want to do three like for three national championships. Um, that's not enough. So what I'm about fourteen? The consecutive top uh, five Ooh, finishes. Ooh. Okay. See. All right. I like that. I like that. Just Maybe we'll, that in there. we'll workshop that. We'll workshop yeah. that. We'll be live at 6 o'clock before that, though. The Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Plenty of other content related to the Syracuse matchup over on Warchant.com as well. Thanks so much again for listening, everybody. Hit that thumbs up on the way out if you could, please. Maybe leave a five-star rating review as well. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.